is like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. And with me, as always, is Corey Starr, a.k.a. Scary Star, for our new theme. How you doing, Corey? Good. How are you? I am doing just fine, I think. Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, it's going to be an episode, I think. Um, but it's a new month. It's October 2020. And if you've listened to Movie Club long, you know that every October is scary season. Um, and this year's theme, we went very specific. And our topic is, I'll show you scary. And these are movies from the Rotten Tomatoes Top 100 Horror List and uh, that we have not seen, following our normal rule of Movie Club. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night from 2014. Um, we will, we watched that on Shudder. Actually, I watched it on Movie um, because I've had Movie for like two years and I haven't watched a single movie on it. And finally, I was like, hey, look, this movie's on Movie. I'm going to use it. So I did. Um, but there you go. So uh, thank you, Movie, for rotating 30 movies uh, every month or whatever it is that you you don't sponsor us, whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever it but, is that you do, thanks. Well, we're going to get into the other movies. We did mention them on the last episode. We'll talk about the, what we're watching next week later. Uh, before we get into our review of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, uh, Corey and I like to check up on each other, see how we've been doing since the last time we recorded, and see what else we've been watching. So, Corey, how you doing? So glad it's Friday. Oh, and all my days are one now, so it doesn't matter what day it is. Yeah, I feel like I just, like, golfed the twilight zone sometimes like time just disappears mm. i think yeah time is a construct and in this world right now it means zero um but yeah i my job doesn't end it seems like we you know we leave and we come home and we do more work and then we leave home to go back to work and we do more work and then we leave work and come home and do more work and it's like oh my god when do i get a minute so I, I did take a quote-unquote minute but i have i've structured my life where my free time is is work that I don't get paid for time, you know, like, uh, in many ways, because it's literal work that I don't get paid for my, my teaching job, but, uh, you know, all the Burke review stuff and the podcasts and the research and all that is, uh, something I do love doing, but nonetheless, it is, uh, it is still work. It is something I have to do. Um, even if the only person expecting it is myself. So <laughs> I am a tough boss. Um, but, um, Kathy, though, uh, my wife, for listeners, um, if you haven't listened long, uh, she, I can't really complain too much because, like, I, I work, but I try. Um, I have a lot of complaints, actually, but uh, she had to get up this morning and go to her job at 6 a.m., which is not normally when they open, but they had, the, they had people coming in to, like, help with freight. And so she worked 6 to 11 and was off for two hours and then went back in two to close. And then is going in at yeah, and then is going in at four a.m. tomorrow morning, and then working until seven p.m., um, which some of those hours are I'm guessing are going to be overtime. Uh, on the bright side, um, your aunt and my wife are going uh, to the beach on Monday to get away for a couple of days, um, nice. and as like a birthday celebration, a late birthday celebration, but a birthday celebration, not not late like your aunt forgot, but like you know Planning. they couldn't do it the weekend of exactly. It was a planned late celebration. Um, but you know, so I, uh, 
I'm glad for her because she deserves to, to have a little break. Um, and, uh, but especially after this weekend, because like it was, she wasn't supposed to work all these extra hours this weekend, but it turned out that way. Um, which is, you know, it's nice in some ways because money is never a bad thing, but uh, it is kind of brutal when you're when you're exhausted, kind of, you know, when you're working those kind of hours, you're going to be exhausted. But um, what are are they getting gearing up for something or? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. And it was kind of sudden. So I really don't know. Like, cause I was just like, wait, what, why? Cause it was like, she's like, you have to drive me up to the front at f- uh, 5am tomorrow. I'm like, what? She's like, no, my assistant manager is going to pick me up. So I don't have to, cause Taylor had to go to uh, her orientation for the new job and then go and work tonight. So Taylor worked double today too. Now that I think about it, but, um, yeah. So she had to leave the car for Taylor so Taylor could go. It was the whole thing. It was a thing. Um, and I have been having severe, like, Corey level insomnia lately. Um, <laughs> Welcome. If, if I'm not taking Zequil or uh, melatonin, I am not sleeping more than like two or three hours without waking up. Like, I, I'm like the other night, I woke up at like two thirty, and I, as soon as I woke up, I'm like, I'm not gonna fall back asleep. And I went and took like half a dose of Zequil just so I could get three more hours of sleep um before i had to get up for work kind of thing i'm like because i know me i don't function with no sleep like i function with five hours and anything less than five i I, i'm very very sluggish and so i was like no 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 i cannot stay up um and then last night uh, i took a melatonin and some sequel and i slept through the night for the first time in several days but it's just my brain is not turning off and i don't know if it's work um or if it's just the anxiety of the times that we're living in, you know, or, or what, but it is, it is, whew, I am not used to that. Like, usually I am a heavy sleeper. Like once I'm out, I'm out. Um, I still only usually sleep like five hours, but I sleep the five hours usually. And now I'm just like, nope, can't brain's worried about something. Got to think about it. Or I'm like, Oh, did I do all the planning I need to do? And mo- normally the answer is no, I have not done all the planning I need to do because it's, it's never over. Like, cause even if I'm, if I'm planning for, you know, all of next week, then I have to start planning for the week after. And you know, I'm always like, oh, well, I can wait a day. And then you wait a day and it's like, oh God, there was eight more things I needed to do. And I don't have time now. And then it's just like panic mode. Um, and I, I am not, uh, if it sounds like I'm whining listener, I'm not, this is the life of teaching right now. Cause every teacher I work with, and we are at a very like 95% graduate graduation rate this past year for our school. Like we yes. are a successful school. But um, we're all that's part of the reason why we're all burnout is because we care so much that we're all like taking everything to heart. like, And we're all worried because no one knows what this looks like. I mean, I have kids who I know are capable who are just like, I don't know if they're just not trying to figure things out because it's like they have to do it all on their own now. Because like the kids that are at home, because um, it's like, no, dude, like, how do you not see this? Like I, the folders are organized so like deliberately where there's no way you can't know where stuff is right like that's because everything's online even if they're on campus it's online too like it's a it's a weird way of teaching and i i get to have some of my students and i'm stressed out about it of course because it's like well you know what if you're sick kind of thing but at the same time like i definitely prefer teaching with with my students there um even just because a lot of my teaching is conversational and it's hard to have a conversation on a Zoom call. People are just not as open to like turning their mic on and off and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
but I've, i'm finding ways to make it feel more like class like i made a um we have the the service we use has a bunch of different tools and i made a discussion board where they can just po- ask me like any questions like if they if they watch the movie and they're like hey have you seen this like because that's what i get in class like in between like moments when there's quiet time they'll like ask me a question or whatever and um so i like i'm trying to encourage that and i wasn't sure if they would take me up on like you know posting discussions and whatnot but a lot of them did you know i was excited and then um I also, uh, every October, I always challenge my students to do the 31 days of horror, but I expand it to be like 31 days of Halloween or fall movies as well. So like, if you're not into like scary movies, you can watch like Hocus Pocus or uh, Halloween Town, that kind of thing, you know? And, um, big fan of I, I, Let's focus over here. Um, and I give them like, you know, different, uh, I actually, one of my students asked me to make lists. So I, I used Letterboxd and I built, um, in fact, listeners, you can actually, if you look me up on Letterboxd at Burke Reviews, um, I have a list for uh, my horror recommendations for Netflix, um, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, and Tubi TV, which is a free streaming service, but you have to watch commercials, and there are a lot of commercials, but it's free and legal, so that's the bonus. But um, So I made the list. Uh, each one's got like 12. I, I think it's the lowest is 13 movies, and then it's, I think, Max and uh, Prime have like, 18 or 20 recommendations for me um and some repeat like some are on like hulu and prime so that i didn't like leave one off because it was on the other service or whatever but but i've i've watched a couple of horror movies so let's get into that Corey, what have you been watching since the last time we recorded not a lot um i rewatched, finished rewatching the haunting of hill house hmm I'm super pumped for The Haunting of Bly Manor um, and really glad to see um, some of those actors coming back. And I'm rewatching Pin 15. Um, there are only two seasons, and I think the first season has 10 episodes and the second one has seven. It just came out, but I just love it so much. And then I started watching Vertigo. Oh, why did you start watching Vertigo? Um, cause I don't remember. I oh. think I was watching it and then I got tired or something. I well, try to I, act I, like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, uh, the one thing about Vertigo, um, is that it is one of the longer ones and, mm-hmm. um, Hitchcock, it, it, you got to remember the time the editing was deliberately slower than what we're used to now because, attention spans were not diminished horribly by cell phones um i i don't always have a problem with the slow burn or like you know well i my my one kind of gripe with hitchcock and i i'm a huge hitchcock fan overall but i do feel like he he lets them drive on screen way too often and for too long um there are a lot of like scenes especially i don't know if you've got to the tail scene yet where he's tailing a person but yep. it is it is like a five minute sequence of like shot reverse shot guy in car other car guy in car i'm like i i get it he's he's following her like i don't need to see every second of the drive and again but that's that was the time period yeah you do and it's it, but it's it's great later they do the same thing in north by northwest um except it, that seems funny because carrie grant is drunk while he's driving so it's pretty funny while it's happening <laughs> and then at, at the same time not funny because he's drunk while driving but yeah. to be fair he's dry he's driving to get away from bad guys and the bad guys are the reason he is drunk so it's not like he's irresponsibly driving drunk he's trying to survive um 
but and then uh psycho has the drive sequence which is still too long but it's much more engaging yeah. i think overall um because one the score but two uh her frantic inner monologue uh, or not even a monologue it's like her inner thoughts of what people are saying about her um are compelling but it's still a long drive so mm. they're rescreening that this month they do uh i've seen it twice in theaters um in the past uh because of ho- like halloween time they rescreened it i was taylor's first uh experience with psycho we saw at the um polk theater in lakeland the uh, the art house theater that we have yeah there that was a few years ago um and they i've seen um the shining quite a few times on you know in the theater i just saw it last year with a friend actually um and i made bill go once i just like i just love it i love that movie it's perfect and um they're screening it again and i'm like is it worth the covid <laughs> <laughs> i don't know they have some good movies oh. though guys so yeah if, if we're not encouraging anyone to go to the theater i've not been still Corey's been once and regretted it if i recall correctly yeah um, i mean already the movie i was seeing was pretty anxiety inducing anyway but coupled with that <laughs> it was pretty intense well um is that all that you've been watching yeah so I, I think I might have mentioned that I started watching Woodstock last week, um, but I finished Woodstock and it, man, that concert ends like epically because that's when you get Hendrix and Janis Joplin and stuff. And it's like, it's a really cool ending. Um, and of course, I'd seen the footage of Hendrix playing from that documentary, not knowing it was from that documentary, just oh. never put two and two together kind of thing. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned, I don't know if I was aware of it when I was uh, talking last week, but Woodstock is edited by Martin Scorsese and his oh. normal editor collaboration uh, partner, um, Thelma uh, Schoonmaker. And so a uh, cool little tie into our theme from last month um, that while he didn't direct it, he did edit it. So very rare kind of thing. Um, I watched a movie called Catch-22, which is also from 1970. Uh, listeners, you're going to see a pattern here and you should subscribe to Movie Astrology so you can hear my thoughts on all these 1970 movies. But um this is it's interesting because the the biggest movie i think on the top 10 from uh 1970 is Patton, which i've still not seen and i was gonna oh. try to watch it and i just could not get a hold of but that's kind of like an iconic like war movie right like people know of that even if you haven't seen it um catch 22 is on the other side it's uh directed by mike nichols and it's like a satire on the war movie and like kind of definitely negative about the war but it stars um, Alan Arkin, who I'm generally a fan of, and I hadn't seen him. I have not seen a young Alan Arkin movie before, so that was kind of cool. Um, there's uh, Art Garfunkel's in the movie, which I didn't recognize him, what like where he was kind of thing. But Bob Balaban, Martin Sheen, John Voight, who was uh, it's it's a year after um, Midnight Cowboys, so it was like super young John Voight, and I didn't even recognize him for a minute. Um, Orson Welles has a little uh, part in it. I mean, it's it's uh, quite a cast. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I didn't get all the satire, but I'm not super versed in war movies. Um, then I watched Airport from 1970. And, uh, man, I, uh, uh, Dean Martin, um, which was weird because I had never seen a Dean Martin movie. Um, and I'm like, I'm aware of him, but and I think I've heard a lot of comedians do impressions of him. But I'm like listening to him talk, and I'm like, okay, he sounds so freaking familiar and, and I realized I think him and Bing Crosby sound so similar that it just was throwing up. I've watched White Christmas 
way too many times. That is like a, a go-to Christmas movie for me every year. But um, I teach the movie Shane uh, for Western, and I, we just finished watching it. And um, the actor who plays Joseph Starrett, which is uh, the homesteader that uh, Shane helps in the movie, um, is played by Van Heflin, and he is in airplanes or airport. Sorry, not airplane. I love airplane. Um, airport was okay. Um, there's some weird stuff in it. Gene Seberg's in it though, and I'm, I, I like her. We just saw her in um, Breathless. We watched a couple months ago. Um, so this is the second Seberg movie I've seen now, making me want to really watch the uh, uh, Kristen Stewart performance as Seberg, which is on Prime right now. Um, but yeah, I thought Airport was okay. I didn't really get super into it. I didn't dislike it, but. Uh, then I watch a girl who walks home at night, which we'll talk about in a minute. Little Big Man. Um, oh boy, man. Little Big Man is something weird. So, Corey, I've realized something. And I've oh, heard gosh. this a million times. But there's always this, like, theory that every story that's ever been told has, has been told already. And all mm-hmm. that changes are the characters and, like, the setting and whatnot. But it, ultimately, the, the stories are, are all done. Like, there's nothing new. All the stories are just going to be familiar. And I, I've heard that for years. And so I'm watching Little Big Man. And it's really weird. It's Dustin Hoffman, you know, and I'm, I, I've been kind of catching a lot of his young stuff. You know, we've seen on the show alone, we've watched uh, The Graduate, we've watched Midnight Cowboy, we watched um, I was uh, Kramer versus Kramer. Thinking about Midnight Cowboy today, so I think it's funny. <laughs> you know, did you watch um, or did you listen to that song Riptide? No, that that song has a verse that's about Midnight Cowboy. Um, well, he describes Midnight Cowboy very loosely, but nonetheless. I think it's Riptide. I'm pretty sure. Um, but so Little Big Man starts off with this old like uh, dude in a um, like a nursing home being interviewed, and he starts telling his life story. And everything sounds like hyperbolic. Like there's no way he did all of this stuff. Like he's rescued by Indians. There is a very very not a joke that does not age well about his sister who she's so worried she's going to get raped um, by the the. Uh, the Native Americans that they are calling Indians in the 1970 movie. And um, she's like worried, but it doesn't sound like she's worried. It sounds like she's hopeful, right? And then they don't rape her and she runs away in disappointment. That was the joke. And it was played for humor. Um, and it was outright said as like such. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm, I'm reading into it. No, no, no. This was exactly how it is worded. Um, but so uh, the movie's going and I'm watching it and I'm like, you know what? This movie reminds me of Joe Dirt because Joe Dirt, while he's not super old, he is on a radio show recanting his story, you know, of how he was abandoned as a child and blah, 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 and these crazy things have happened to him. And then I'm like, that's interesting. And then I look at someone else's review and they're like, Forrest, uh, Little Big Man is like uh, slightly worse Forrest Gump. I'm like, oh my God, Forrest Gump and Joe Dirt have the same plot structure. And then I realized Life of Pi is the same thing as well they're all the same basic premise of somebody recanting the, the tales of their life that you can't quite tell if they're telling the truth or if they're making up everything because and it, it probably qualifies as big fish too now that i think about it um mm. so like crazy uh again not a, not a negative that any of those movies because they're all very different they all have very different characters and distinctive stories um but they're all the same structure and it was like wow uh this movie might be the first and there's probably a movie that's before this one that I just haven't seen yet, but like, um, it was interesting kind of making that connection while watching this. Um, and then I just finished, uh, for, uh, we're going to be reviewing on bloody awesome movie podcast, hashtag alive, which I, did you watch this? Yep. 
Um, I liked it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, um, uh, Korea is making good zombie movies. They did between uh one cut, right? No, no, that's Japanese, Japanese? actually. Um, okay, but they did Train to Busan, uh, which oh, is yeah. one of my favorite zombie movies, and then uh, they did the sequel this year. Uh, to Train to Busan called Peninsula, which is available on VOD and I reviewed on Burke Reviews a few months ago. Um, they, really, really good movie, though. And also, um, I haven't, I've only seen um, Train to Busan, um, but I didn't know that uh, Peninsula was out. Um, I knew they were making it. But there's also a, um animated prequel, I think, on Shudder. Yes. I have not seen that, but I've, I've, I didn't I know it either. existed. <laughs> I didn't know it was a prequel though i knew that there was an animated so. movie um i think it might have been how he got training we saw made though i think that was his like pitch movie was like um i can't remember for sure it might have came afterwards i feel like it might have been his way of getting the financing but uh yeah but i guess maybe um foreign zombie movies are just better right now than uh because the one thing about hashtag alive that i i picked up on kind of early is it reminded me of a movie I saw two years ago at Tribeca, um, it, which is a French zombie film. Hang on a second. I'm going to, I keep forgetting, it's a longer name, so I keep forgetting the name, but I did The Night Eats the World. And Why that, that was on Prime. Well, I've definitely talked about it before because I saw it uh, two years ago. So, um, and it looks, it looks like it's still on Prime. Uh, so, not, The Night Eats the World, if you like Hashtag Alive, I recommend checking that one out. It's not exactly the same um but it's got a very similar setup of a, it's more about like the isolation than it is about the monsters um which is something i found really interesting about both of those movies is that it is more about the human uh survival element and not like because all zombie movies have a survival element but this is like you're you're the lone survivor how do you you know keep wanting to live and how do you make yourself go on and that kind of thing it's 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 really interesting and uh it hadn't been done much before, so I've seen now two movies that have t- tackled the topic, but um, definitely both, I, I think, worth watching. I wonder, too, if that might have something to do with, like, we're such an individualist society. Maybe. I don't know. That we we would we don't think of it as, like, a negative to be alone kind of thing. Yeah, or that we don't even look at it that way. Like, hmm. I mean, I don't want to make any generalizations, but... I don't know, but I'm going to add that I mean, to the list. Yeah, I, I recommend it. And it's, um, we saw it at the premiere, I think, when we were at Tribeca, me and uh, David, the editor from Berkeley Reviews. Um, and it is, uh, we both really liked it. And the, uh, there was the director, I think, did a Q&A and it was, it was, we were very, you know, into it. Um, oh, she's in a bunch of stuff now. For some reason, it um, made me think of, I think it's called As Above, So Below. Mm. I don't know. I I have not seen that movie. That movie's been on my radar for a long time. One of my students had recommended it, and I just never got to it. And um, she'd be mad. Uh, she didn't just recommend it. She, like, literally gave me the DVD. I had it for, like, a year, and I still never watched it. But, oh, no. You know, sometimes you get busy, and things happen. Um, but... Yeah, I, I do. Actually, I've heard good things about that um, as above, so below. But All right. Well, uh, and the last thing I did, which I've not finished, but I started finally a week later, um, season four of The Good Place is out on Netflix. 
and I watched the first 20 minutes of the first episode and then um Kathy came home and I went and talked to her until we were recording so I didn't uh, I did not finish the first episode yet which I don't usually try to do that with TV but it happened um and I don't know when I'll get back to it because I am going to have a busy weekend uh because I decided to watch the movie tonight so I would be able to work tomorrow and Sunday so that said, that is what we've been watching. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will get into the stats and review of A Girl Who Walks a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Man, I keep adding words to the already long title. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we are back. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night 2014 is available to stream for free with a uh, subscription to Shudder or Mubi, uh, M-U-B-I, um, depending on what which suits your needs, if you're more into like art house cinema, movies the way to go. If you're more into horror, Shutter is the way to go. Um, you know, pick pick your poison basically. Um, both are cheaper services than like Netflix or Hulu or whatnot, but they're uh, you know comparable. And again, if you're um, it depends on what you're looking for from a streaming service. But um, the movie has a 7.0 IMDb user score and 81 Metacritic and I have to look up the Rotten Tomatoes because the whole reason why we're even doing this movie is because it was on the Rotten Tomatoes top 100 list. Um, so I'm going to look that up real fast. But the uh, movie is directed by um, Anna Lily Amapour, who I've only seen one other film of hers, which is The Bad Batch. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, Corey. No. Um, it, it is. It was on Netflix. Um, it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, it's got a pretty decent cast and there's a really cool moment with um there's like it's not a cameo but it's a character there's an actor in it who you i was surprised to see acting in it when i was watching it I was like oh and um he does a pretty good job in that oh. role uh yeah I'm kind of sorry i'm like looking at the cast i'm kind of yeah yeah he's it's shocking when he's there oh it has a 96 uh rotten tomato score so um, I need to make sure we have that in the future for the other ones, so I don't have to look it up on the fly. Sheila Vand is our lead. Um, she plays the girl. I just recently saw her in the um, was it uh, James Franco's uh, debut movie, um, The Rental, and debut uh, directorial debut, I should say. Um, she's very very good in The Rental. Uh, she's also in We Are Animals, or I'm sorry, We the Animals, which is a fantastic movie. Um, and apparently she's on the Snowpiercer TV show that I, I have not watched, but want to because David Diggs is in it. And I love David Diggs. But um, so it also has uh, Arash Mirandi. Um, the most exciting thing in the world for me as a person who has watched How I Met Your Mother all the way through at least three times. Um, and it's Ranjit is in this movie, uh, actor oh. Marshall M- Manesh. And I was just like, Ranjit! Um, he was the regular driver for them throughout the series uh, and is always very, very funny. Um, he plays host in The Junkie, uh, Mozan Mar- Marno, Dominic Reigns, um, Rome Shad... Oh boy, I'm sorry. So sorry. Shadalu. Shadalu. And she plays Shada the Princess. Um, and that's... I think everyone else is just going to be minor characters. Those are going to be the ones who have like spoken words and lines and there's a kid. I'm guessing that's the street urchin. So Malad Egbale. I am so sorry, everyone whose name I butchered. Um, that is my mo. But is uh, in the Iranian ghost town, Bad City, a place that reeks of death and loneliness. The townspeople are unaware they are being stalked by a lonesome vampire. Now I picked this movie, 
and this is my my week to pick and i'd heard good things about it um it was obviously in, it met the criteria because it's in the top 100 on rotten tomato horror movies and um i didn't really know much else about it uh i i don't often like vampire movies so i went in a little um apprehensive it's not that i don't like vampire movies i just often find them not to be as my style of horror um but i i love this movie I thought it, it won because it's super indie and it's super art house, um, which just clicked uh, sensibility wise. The black and white option uh, choice that they made here is excellent. I think it looks really, really good. Um, Elijah Wood is a producer on this movie. Yeah, I saw That's that pop up on the screen and I was like, OK. Um, but uh, I, I think the performances are all really interesting. And there is this one song uh, that <sighs> plays it. That I don't. Oh, you do know who it is. It's I was, White Lies. I, I had to Google it's it. It's such a Corey song. It is. Oh, I was okay. like, oh my god, guys! I love like post punk. Like, I love it. I love like any kind of like sad music that you can dance to. Like, I love it. I know. I was like sitting there and I wasn't like paying attention enough, so I was like missing some of the lyrics because. Usually, guys, I'll just Google some lyrics and then find out what it was. But it's by White Lies. And I think um, it's called like, I think it's called Death or something. I, it is. I screenshot Death. it. Yeah. I was like, I hell yeah, guys. Hell yeah. That yeah. song, I was like, I liked it. And I'm like, this totally feels like a Corey song. And I'm like, and if this thing doesn't work for Corey. <laughs> no, I thought that it was perfect. <clears throat> yeah, I, I really, really like this movie. Um, I thought it was, uh, as a vampire story, it's super interesting. Um I don't know much about Bad City if it's a it's a real place or not. I'm gonna look that up while we're talking here, but um but it's uh I, I just thought it was super compelling and very interesting and it goes in directions that I wasn't expecting. And I love that it's a female <sighs> vampire. Yeah. Which is I think a big flip on the, the, the normal lore where the because she's seductive, um, but she's like She's weird. She's like the the <laughs> Juno vampire, right? Like it's almost like Ghost World meets vampire. Like it's painted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because she's like she's like, you know, ironic. She seems to be like really into pop culture and stuff. And um, there's just little things like with the that she has like her little collection of stuff that she has and stuff. Um, and the way she torments the kid, like it's a vampire with like with like the, I mean, if they remade this as an American film guarantee you obvious clauses cast like i don't don't i'm not it would because it would be too much this, this this movie has just the right amount of like humor built into it um it's not a, it's not a horror comedy either it's just like there are things that i found funny because it's playing on tropes and it's playing on uh the traditional vampire story um but man i i was really i just enjoyed this so so much and uh i'd like to hear your thoughts Corey. it sounds like you're maybe also enjoying it Yes, I did. Um, I don't know if it's one that I would necessarily go back to very often. And I don't think that people should be going into this expecting like a traditional horror or traditional vampire movie. It's not scary. Um, it's not, you know, going to be like, you know. Yeah, it's not scary. I did jump scares. It's I I'm, I'm, I feel like the only reason that it's considered a horror movie is because she's a vampire. I mean, she does like, you know, people die. You know, yeah, but I mean, like, we don't call Scarface a horror movie. But and she like stalks them, and she like 
he kills them in a way that Scarface isn't like Scarface is shooting people. You're right. I get what you're saying, but I think atmospherically, um, okay, yes, yeah, so it does have some good atmosphere. I I just liked a lot about the movie. Like, I don't want people to think that it lessens how much I like a movie if I say that I don't know how often I'll go back to it because that's not necessarily what that is. It can be like I don't know. It's moody. I not in a bad way. Um, but I really, really, really enjoyed it. At first, I was like, "What did you get me into?" <laughs> but sometimes I don't want to have to read my movies. Oh, I've I've like I've watched two horror movies uh, this week, and both were um, from another country. So especially, uh, you know, I'm just in a mood lately, and I just they have so many that sound so interesting on Shutter, and I'm like, skip. But <laughs> I'm intrigued because um, I found an article on NPR um, from 2014 when the movie came out, and uh, they referred to this as the first Iranian vampire western. Yeah. Um, Oh, which is really interesting. No, go ahead. So you you watched it on movie. I don't know what kind of synopsis you got, but I'm pretty sure on Shutter it was like talking about all the different genres that uh you know this movie mixes like spaghetti westerns and apparently yeah. I don't know much about spaghetti westerns. But um yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, and um, she cites Tarantino as an influence, which I definitely get with a lot of the pop cultural stuff, too. Um, and the film is set in Bad City, a sparsely populated Iranian town being haunted by an unnamed hijab-wearing vampire. It does not say if Bad City is real or not. Um, I'm very curious if it's real or not. The occasional spaghetti western score that gives the film a western feel. Okay, I did note the score. Oh, man. I didn't even put that. I didn't. I am so ashamed because it, it references uh, Jim Jarmusch as an influence. I'm like, duh, of course it's Jim oh. Jarmusch. Are you kidding? Like that's all over this movie. I, like you can see, God, it's like dripping Jim Jarmusch now that I, I've read that. Like, of course, like <sighs> yeah. the stylization and stuff, man. Oh, I, I love this movie. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen way more of his movies, but I have enjoyed every single one that I have seen. Yeah. And he's, uh, one of my favorite people on Instagram because I hope that it's really him <laughs> that takes care of his Instagram because you'll just see him go through liking stuff from bands and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. It's so that dumb. sounds like him. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't think I follow him on Instagram. Dude, I, you should. I do. I do, apparently. I just think oh. he must not pop up on my feed enough. Like, because I follow, I follow way too many people on my Instagram. Mm. That's probably the problem. Um, but man, I'm going to have to like, I wonder if there's a way to like make him pop up pretty like, sure ahead of other people. He's a uh, fan of uh, what is that color palette cinema? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they do the um, they Beautiful. show you like the colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I love yeah. that. It's like I don't even like this movie, but this is beautiful. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's um, this movie. I thought it was really gorgeous too. I, I, I don't always notice like black and white as like a aesthetic that really clicks for me. Sometimes it does. And I just, I thought this movie looked so good. Um, just, I mean, it's very clean. It's crisp. It doesn't have like a lot of times when newer movies do black and white, they, they will uh, either, they shoot it on film on purpose to make it look more traditional. I don't know if this was shot on film or not. I'm not always good at noticing that, but I just thought there was like no grain. It was very, very smooth and, and looked you know visually like hd quality but with 
black and white. And again, I, some people might complain about that. I, I just Mm-mm. really liked it. I, it seems like it's a fictional town. Yeah, I, I assume so because like Bad City. I would. I also thought maybe it's a nickname. It's probably based on some truth, obviously, um, like the certain type of city in in Iran. But um, yeah, I I don't know that I've seen many other Iranian films. I know that there's a uh, there is a, a thriving industry despite a lot of censorship that comes through, um, but mm-hmm. I have not. I don't believe I've seen much. So it's something I'd like to dabble a little more on and maybe do a little more context research, but. I, I really like this film a lot, and um, if you uh, have access, we're both recommending it. We're going to move, though, from our spoiler-free review to the spoiler. So, Corey. Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. So, when she kills the, the pimp that has the word sex tattooed on his neck. <laughs> Man, that sequence... Because... Like the scene where he's like picking up money from one of the prostitutes that works for him, and he, like he has her like suck his finger in a like very demeaning scene, right? Yeah. When she, when when he, the vampire does it, and she bites his freaking finger off, <laughs> and then makes him suck his own finger before she kills him, was I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this movie's freaking great. Like this is so awesome. I kind of. You know, like she stalks multiple people throughout the movie, but she seems to only go after like the bad ones, you know? Yeah. I kind of like that because she went after him and then she ends up going after, oh, is it, what's his name? Uh, Arash? Is that the, the main guy? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the main guy. Isn't but his... she doesn't really go after him, right? No, I was going to say his dad. She goes after yeah. his dad, which I think his name is H- Hussein. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, she ends up going after him because he's like... I mean, dude, that scene... First of all, I think the true horror in this movie is um, the, the drugs and the sharing of the needle. I thought I was going to throw up. And doesn't Ooh, he yeah. inject in his feet... Yeah, the, um, my or my it... knowledge of that it was his feet. Yeah, uh, at okay. the very beginning, the first time you see someone shooting up, it's in between his toes. My understanding of that uh, from movies, yeah. I've seen. I don't remember what movie, but it's they shoot between their toes to hide track marks. Mm-hmm. I've also, so, I mean, same. I don't have a lot of. I've gotten my knowledge from television and movies, but I've also heard like if you like mess up your veins. I mean, I don't oh, really uh, know, but it's sure sounds terrifying. I, I, I don't. I, I'm always a little surprised that a heroin addict is considering either of those two things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like that they're worried about, you know, people seeing the track marks and also that they're worried about like not dying because they're, they're totally killing themselves slowly. Oh, but I, like um, they've collapsed veins or something. Uh, oh, like you mean like they were, they've they messed no them up. Could... Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's, and given the uh, state of where he is, that would make sense. Cause he's His definitely medicine. had it. Yeah. <laughs> Um. <laughs> um. I was so at first. I would like to say that at the beginning of this movie, when he's going to find the cat, or when he's getting the cat, I thought he was going to kill the cat or something. And if that was what happened, I was going to be down with that movie right then. No, but see, I was ready to text you. <laughs> Blake Snyder's screenwriting. Uh, you must save the cat, Corey. That is. Um, how you let people know that you're a good, a, your character is a good guy because they saved the cat. It's not meant to be quite so literal. 
yeah. although some movies have taken it that way and this one definitely does um not in a bad way though i i think it's it's there and, and the cat plays a role in the well, later parts of the movie as well so yeah and also i like that they don't it's not like a bunch of filler conversation in this movie i mean no this movie's tight uh it does not mess around with with much um like i don't really think there's anything i would trim out of this uh and it's it's what 98 minutes or something like that like it's it's in and out does what it's doing um you get the jarmouche kind of aesthetic and vibe um and tarantino you definitely see both of those filmmakers in this movie which is awesome uh and uh, you get a, a, a female voice, which is great. It's just something that's often lacking in, uh, in I would say, in film in general, but in horror especially, um, which you see in the characters and the, the archetypes that have kind of reigned over, which is one of the things I loved about this movie is it felt like it was really toying with the archetypes um, in a lot of ways. Even, uh, I think, as an American, my knowledge of Iranian culture is very minimal, right? Mm-hmm. Um for multiple multiple reasons like one uh i i would love to be like oh history class great but it was never that way for me that was always one of my least intriguing classes even though now i i appreciate history a lot more than i ever did as a student but i learned very little about other countries when i was in school whether that was my school's fault or my own fault for not being more engaged i'm not sure but uh i I definitely don't know a lot, um, but wh- what I do feel like I know is that is that women don't have a lot of e- uh, equal rights or equality in Iran. So having a, a film where the vampire is a female in Iran is, I think, a pretty big statement, right? Like cause she's she's wearing the hijab, but she's not wearing it in a way that I've ever seen it worn before. Right? It's it's almost more like like a cloak, a like um, yeah, like Red Riding Hood. You know, like she's got the, the hood on, and then the, it's well, black Riding Hood in this case, but. Um, <laughs> I, well, I go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I love that he's dressed up as Dracula. Yes. And oh, then man. talking to her, and she's a vampire. <laughs> like for real. Oh. It was so funny to me. <laughs> oh, what makes it funnier? Because like some movies, you have to wonder if the if our stuff exists in their movie. Like a lot of times um, in zombie movies, zombies have never existed before. Word. No one's aware of them. And then there's exceptions like in Shaun of the Dead, where they clearly know that zombies are a thing. And now we're seeing zombies. But this movie, uh, she's so into pop culture. Like, so it's not like a vampire who would be clueless about Dracula. Like, she's probably like that stupid movie always gets referenced. I hate it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. um, and there's little things like when, when he, they pierce her ears. I really like that sequence because like, we know, she's a vampire, but he doesn't know that. But like, it still hurts her. Yeah. Um, it's like, girl, your teeth are gonna show. <laughs> she like turns. Oh, the first time her fangs show uh, when she's with that pimp, um, are is so cool. Like, I love how they just kind of like pop out, and he like, he's like, oh, oh okay, because he's all coked up or whatever. Um, yeah, just there's so many cool little scenes. And uh, what what do you think about the end with Arash, um, kind of weighing his options? Like he stops the car and he's like pacing back and forth, uh what does he do because he he knows that she killed uh yeah as soon as she took the cats um i mean i mean his dad wasn't like the best and oh what i was trying to say is like he injects the prostitute with the heroin against her wishes he like ties up her hands 
And he's like, you know, so I don't know. I mean, of course, his son doesn't know that, but just. I was kind of confused why she went after the homeless person, though, because. Maybe she was just hungry, but, you know, the people before all seem to be. Bad guys, but I oh, go ahead. She she went after um, that was when she spared a rash, though, right? Like she didn't eat him. And then kills the homeless person. I think maybe out of uh, mm. desperation. That's okay. the vibe I got. If I if I'm remembering the order correctly, I actually am not seeing when she kills him. Um, do do do. Next night. Yeah, I don't. It's like the Wikipedia left out the whole thing of her eating the homeless person. But um, but I think that's. We, I'm pretty sure it's because she. Uh, resisted eating a rash remember because that's the whole song with the white lies song is that she's like ready to bite his neck and then she doesn't and then i think she kills the uh the homeless guy the next night okay that's fair <clears throat> i didn't think about that <clears throat> unless i'm wrong which is it's definitely possible but i'm not seeing the come on wikipedia like that's somebody died you don't think it's worthy of referencing in the plot synopsis no. <laughs> like, um all right well uh, I, I think we've actually covered the movie though because there isn't like a lot there's just all these really cool sequences that whole scene with white lies is, is outstanding yeah i love it's so like the just even the shot how it's so wide i guess and then they're mm-hmm. off to the right anyway but they're still showing like this whole room <sighs> and with all of her posters and stuff on madonna the wall. guys madonna from the 80s <clears throat> um yeah um, so that that is uh, our review of A Girl Who Walks Home Alone at Night, which we watched on Shutter and Movie. Um, we uh, I'm going to say it's a must see film. We lived up to the top 100 horror list, in my opinion. I'm going to really agree. I'm, I'm agreeing with that. I was kind of I feel like. I'm kind of surprised it's on that list because I feel like. I don't know, I feel like a lot of people who watch horror. Well, remember, it's a critic's uh, score oh, for fair. Rotten Tomato. Okay. And this is a, um, definitely has the art house vibe to it in every way. It, it's fair. She's paying tribute to Tarantino and um, and Jarmusch, who are both art house, you know, indie, indie darlings at, at this point. And I think critics generally like their movies. I think at this point, critics are a little harsher on Tarantino. I think maybe out of like, we got to put him in his place kind of thing. You know, he's too big. Uh Jarmusch is yeah and Jarmusch gets I think he always has his critics that are against him but I think there's the people who love Jarmusch just vibe with his his style like um I'm I'm gonna try to watch the dead don't die this month because I just had such a fun time with that movie right Um, it's so funny I've been wanting to rewatch it I'm gonna probably try to hook Bill into that yeah that I mean uh, Bill Murray and Adam Driver together are just just great um oh my god but uh that is our review. Um, if you would like to keep up with our other stuff and the other episodes, follow us uh, on social media. You can follow me at Burke Reviews on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Corey? At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And she doesn't post on Letterboxd. I don't know why. Um, but if you like what we're doing on the podcast, we ask that you take a minute, rate and review us on whatever service it is that you listen to us. Um, and we will be back next week as we continue I'll Show You Scary Month 
Uh, we're going to be watching Don't Look Now, which I keep forgetting what that one is. That's Donald Sutherland? I think so. God, we're terrible. Well, it's uh, you picked this one. So I, and again, um, to be fair, the one of the reasons why I went with this list is because a lot of the horror movies that I've heard of um, yep. are not necessarily well regarded, right? Like, so this one yeah. is a 96 Metascore, which is really high for a, a Metascore anyways, but for a horror film, I would have to imagine. Now, IMDb does not list this as a horror. Oh. It lists this as a thriller and mystery. Um, thriller and horror are always kind of close hand in hand, so I'm, I'm curious if we'll, we'll feel this is horror or not. Uh, but it stars Julie Christie, Donald Sutherland, Hillary Mace, uh, Mason, Sil- uh, Celia? Or is it Celia? I don't know how to say that. There's an extra L. Then, uh, like it would be Celia, but it's C-L-E-L-I-A. Um, Matania, uh, Massimo Sereto, Renato Scarpa. Oh, boy. We're getting into words I can't say again. Um, and it looks like Kate is played by Sharon Williams. Uh, directed by Nicholas Rogue. Roeg? Roag. Um mm. A married couple grieving the recent death of their young daughter are in Venice when they encounter two elderly sisters, one of whom is psychic and brings a warning from beyond. Oh, there's some that, that sounds more like a horror vibe to me um, than thriller. It's like if we're getting into psychic stuff. Um, well, we will be watching this movie on Amazon Prime. Uh, it is available on Prime with the subscription. Um, so we will be back with our review of Don't Look Now next week. Uh Again, do all those things I said. In the meantime, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.